Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast Financial Services Edition. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Carl Leonard Hicks of the Leonard Financial Group. Carl's been in the business over 15 years. He got his CFP in 2004, his MBA from California Baptist and just recently picked up his accredited estate planner designation. Carl, thanks so much for joining us. Well, I appreciate being here, Seth. All right, so let's go back in time a little bit. How did you decide to enter into the financial services industry? How'd you get started? Well, I actually was studying to be a CPA, an accountant, and I was working in an accounting firm while I was in in college, and the gentleman I was working with was a CPA. Um, He... He, uh, uh, he was a CPA at a CFP. When I, he asked me what my professional uh, goals were, I told him I wanted to be a CPA like him. And he looked at me and said, oh, God, why? <laughs> and when I told him what I wanted to do, he said, you need to be a CFP. Um, financial planning, helping people understand their finances, helping people work through it is what I was wanted to do. That's what I thought CPAs did. Got it. Okay, so that was nice of him to redirect you. Yes, absolutely. All right, so he told you to become a CFP, and uh, you took the leap and said, I'm going to go become a financial planner. Correct. Okay, and then how did you, did you start Leonard Financial Group right away, or did you work someplace else first? I was working someplace else first. I was working for another financial planning firm. Um, that was actually started by three CPAs who did do financial planning. Um, they were all CPAs who shifted to doing financial planning, and I worked with that firm for several years. That firm ended up disbanding, and one of the partners from that firm and myself decided to start a firm, and we started the Leonard Financial Group. Okay, congratulations on that. What do you like best about being a financial planner? Helping people, actually, helping people make sense out of their finances. It's very gratifying. uh, And the appreciation that I get from clients when I help them make sense out of their finances and allow them to understand what it takes to achieve their financial goals, whether it's retirement, taking trips, buying homes, putting their kids through college, all of those. Absolutely. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making that you're kind of helping them fix? 
for a lot of people, and the best way I can say it, I guess, is kind of flying by the seat of your pants. It's it's not paying attention. I, I one of my clients who uh, has been very appreciative. I told her when we were meeting, I said, a lot of times it's just about paying attention. Um, when we work with clients, we create a, a financial statement for them, a profit, a, a, excuse me, a net worth statement and a cash flow statement, and just paying attention to it helps a lot. But there's so much interconnected. I understand why people do that, how it can get confusing. So helping people understand what they should be looking at um, is where I step in. But for a lot of people, it is just paying attention. Okay. So paying attention is number one. And then you're working with a lot of folks who um, you're not their first financial advisor, right? They're coming from other firms what do you think or what are they telling you it is that makes you different and makes them want to work with you as opposed to whoever else they had before? Well, for me, I think, or at least what I'm hearing, it is truly two things. It is the focus on the holistic idea of financial planning. Um, um, a lot of people are working on with investment managers who actually help them determine how they need to allocate their investments, but they have questions on debt or they have questions on a piece of real estate or on their their business 401k kind of thing we're looking at all of those things and helping make sure that they are all working together for the purpose of succeeding with their financial goals and it's the focus on the goals and helping them know what they need to do to succeed on those goals that's really what i'm getting from them okay so unlike a decades ago stockbroker or now investment advisor where they're just saying, I'll help you manage your mutual funds or your investments. You're looking at the entire picture. You're not just saying, okay, hey, you need to be 60% in stock and 30% in bonds and 10% in cash. You're advising them on things a regular investment advisor can't like how to get out of debt quicker and reduce their interest charges, like um, invest, like real estate, um, like other scenarios that a traditional advisor couldn't do because they couldn't, their brokerage firm, their wirehouse couldn't supervise it, couldn't, and they couldn't get compensated on it because no Absolutely. one's paying you a percentage of the debt to get them out of debt faster. You're just doing it because A, it's the right thing to do, B, you know how, and then C, obviously helping every area of their financial life improve the rising tide lifts all the boats of where they're going to get to because of your guidance anyway. Did I get that right? Yes, absolutely. I, I tell people all the time, there are about six areas of financial planning, six or seven, depending on which book you actually read about it. They're not dependent on each other, but they're interconnected. Choices in one affect choices in another. Our role is to create a, 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 a synergy between all of them to help to be, so the clients can be most efficient in the success of their goals. Okay, and obviously that's a refreshing approach. It's not the norm, unfortunately. So obviously that sets you apart. What are the types of clients that you really like to work with? Who is the ideal that is your sweet spot? We actually have kind of a niche with uh, attorneys and, and people in the legal profession. Attorneys and judges seems to have kind of falling into where we are. For us, it really has a lot to do with the, the attitude of the clients, how they um, uh, how they approach life, for lack of a better term. Our, our ideal clients tend to be 
professionals, again, the legal profession, married, uh, uh, two or three kids. Um, they are they may be partners or they may be executives in those in those professions. But just as importantly, they appreciate professional financial advice. They appreciate that the person that they've come to for help is actually there trying to help them. And, and that may be also the other thing is that people, the clients understand that we are really trying to help them. We're not trying to just capture assets. Okay. So that obviously sets you apart. Now you didn't, maybe you did, I don't know. How did you arrive at, I'm going to work with folks in the legal profession. I, when I did it 20, when I started doing that 20 years ago, I did it because my father was an attorney and I could, I had, I helped when I was studying for, this is going to date me, but when I was <laughs> studying for my bar mitzvah, he was studying for the bar exam. <laughs> so I was doing Hebrew flashcards. He was doing legal flashcards and we, I helped him study and he helps me study. So I felt like I could speak enough lawyer to talk to attorneys. And my hope was that, um, Unlike some people, I could call them during the day. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to work at night and interrupt dinner to get a hold of them. And hopefully being professional advisors themselves, they would want professional advice. Tell me a little bit about your journey, because I'm guessing you weren't studying for your bar mitzvah and the bar exam at the same time. <laughs> I, I was I was not. I was not. And it's interesting because I'm not exactly, I, I, I might have to think about it. Um, I, I used to, I, I golf. And the place, the, the club where I golfed, there were a lot of attorneys there. Um, and I've just always gotten along with attorneys. I, I don't know what it is specifically. Um, my wife does financial uh, analysis as well for bond attorneys, the company she works for. So I don't know if maybe that rubbed off on me or not. Um, but I do enjoy working with attorneys. Again, they, they are professionals, so they do appreciate the value of a professional. And the, the one interesting thing about working with attorneys is they're quick to tell you, I don't know anything about finances. Help me. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> Which is an interesting mindset and obviously makes our relationships with them possible. On the mm -hmm. other hand, you might, we're going to do a stereotype and say there are groups like certain sub-niches of physicians that mm -hmm. think they know everything. We actually, the firm I worked at, they focused, they did work with a lot of physicians. And you're right. One of the issues we believe, what we, the conclusion we came to was that because physicians are so well trained in one area, some physicians automatically think that that makes them experts in all areas. Yes. And we also had the issue of we could never get a hold of them during market hours because right. they're always seeing patients. Attorneys, unless they're on trial, in a trial, are mm -hmm. in their office. They might be meeting with people just like we are, but they're physically in an office that is a, that I don't have to go through seven nurses to get someone to hopefully get on the phone. And they usually have an assistant who will set right. up for them. Yes, exactly. Okay. So attorney, and, and this is kind of a layup. I, I didn't know we were going in this direction and it kind of makes me a layup interview because <laughs> I work with attorneys too. So it'll, you, you got all my questions written for me now. So I appreciate the help, the unknowing, unwitting help. That's awesome. All right. So attorneys have, or think they have some needs that are different than the mom and pop, mom and dad, both working kids at, you know, kitchen table type of regular clients. So can you talk a little bit about how some of their needs might be different and how you're helping meet those needs? 
The interesting thing with attorneys um, that I found is oftentimes their plans through work are tend to be a little more complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably because it's written by an attorney. Right. <laughs> and they get paid by the word. <laughs> right, exactly. And so there are a lot of times, there are a lot more choices within the plan itself as opposed to I'm going to, not that it's a bad thing, I'm just going to kind of pick on a, there's a company, uh, a client that works for a company and their plan is pretty basic. It's a 401k, they've got some uh, target funds and then a few other mutual funds to choose from. It's not a bad plan, but the attorney's plans tend to be a lot more complicated. They can actually pick from multiple custodians. They can pick from almost any investment that's they'll, out there. They'll have a self-directed portion. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then a lot of them, particularly for partners, on top of that, they've got partnership interests in the firm as well that has to be thought about buyouts when they retire and those kinds of things. Right. Uh, they might also have profit sharing distributions. Yes. If they're yeah. a certain type of attorney, their revenue is going to dramatically change because they will have their quote unquote salary. And then they might have participation in, let's say, a contingency fee on a law- successful lawsuit. There might be a personal injury or a tort settlement that they get a percentage of that causes not always known in advance spikes. Correct. The other thing with attorneys is, um, one of the things that we like to do when we work with clients is work with the other professionals as well. In that way, I'm talking about like the accountants or the insurance agents. We don't sell insurance, but we want to make sure that our clients are properly covered by insurance. So again, as I said, all these areas of financial planning are interdependent. So we always want to make sure we're working with their insurance agent. We're working with their accountant. So anything we do doesn't create a a tax liability that we weren't expecting. And exactly what you talked about with their salaries, that is, can easily happen in the tax realm. So we want to try and plan for that as best we can. And also when they retire, because of the partnership buyouts, because of the profit sharing, that, creates, that can create tax inefficiencies in retirement too as well if you're not planning things. One great example that, that I can give you recently here is that because of the changes in, in the tax codes, um, when someone turns 70, 72, used to be 70 and a half, when they turn 72, they have to take a required minimum distribution. If they're still working for the firm where the plan is held, they don't have to take that distribution for that year, as long as they were working on December 31st of that year. For that reason, we're not quick to move clients out of their 401ks at work. Even if they re, even if they retire, because a lot of them go back as employees and do consulting work, or they work part time. Yep. Yeah. So uh, if a if a attorney retires, but particularly if they still plan to do consulting work for that firm, then we don't want to move that four hundred one k. And I'm using the word retire loosely because they've they've cut back. Right. I was going to say I twenty years. I don't have a single attorney. Um, who at retirement age fully hung it up. I've mm-hmm. got the, I'm going to go in, put, putter around the office is the word I hear a lot. Um, I'm going to go in, work because I feel like it, not because I have to. Um, I'm going to see a few clients. I'm going to work on the cases I want to work on now. I might do some pro bono stuff to help more people, but it's never a, 
oh, I just turned 66. I'm never practicing again. It's more of a slow scale back. And that's a lot of times the same with judges because we work, we have judge clients also. And a lot of times they go, when they retire from the bench, they go into mediation. Or, right, or they sit on an arbitration panel. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, you also, we didn't even touch on it. You started to touch on it, but your, your integration with the other professionals. So yeah. that prevents a whole lot of issues and make sure that everybody's on the same page, which makes the plan work and has to be holistic because otherwise your traditional advisor, investment advisor, mutual fund guy, whatever, he isn't talking to the insurance agent. He's not talking to the accountant except to send tax forms. Mm-hmm. He's not integrating all of that together because he can't or doesn't know how. Mm-hmm. And thus maybe causing more taxes that need to happen, cause exposing liability that doesn't need to be there. So talk a little bit about how, was that because of your accounting background that you chose to do that? Because that's almost like a multifamily office approach. How did that come about in your career? Specifically with the accountants, that's yes, because I I did work with uh, CPAs. And and again, the gentleman who started this firm with me, who is now retired, uh, is a CPA and he had tax clients. And so just in obviously by nature and doing financial planning work, we would always do tax work as well. And it was this idea of, well, if we're doing this with these clients that we're doing taxes for, why wouldn't we do that with the other clients and their CPAs or their tax preparer? One other thing that brought this up for us, and I don't want to get too confusing here, at the previous firm I worked at, clients would come in and go, hey, I just refinanced my house. What do you think? Don't. I just bought this car and here's the, here's the, the, you know, the contract and everything. What do you think? And the answer is always, we think you should ask us before you did it. Yes. Not a lot we can do about that now. So that's kind of what pushed us to be more proactive and, and question our clients more about the holistic side of, of planning. And that includes, that includes the insurance. When we started looking at clients insurance, we had one client who had um, on their policy, they had a rider for a fur coat and some very expensive jewels that the wife had because they used to go into LA. He was a judge. They used to go into LA and go to a lot of high, high end events. Well, she hadn't had those for five years, but they were still paying the writer for those things. So in our reviewing it again, they didn't have it. It's like, well, we think you can drop this writer. now. You don't have these things. So it just became a not this idea of, taking holistic approach, looking at everything and talking to the other financial professionals. Again, just to make sure we were all on the same page because, and again, it's not necessarily the other professionals fault. I'm not trying to blame them for this people, you know, particularly for insurance, you just kind of keep signing, you know, you just keep renewing it. And if you don't think about some of these things, um, these kind of things can happen. So for us, if we're at least asking the question, it keeps it in the forefront. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, We greatly appreciate your time. We know it's incredibly valuable for our folks who are watching or listening and learning more. Where is the best place for them to go to learn more about you? The best place to learn more about us would be at our website. It's uh, leonardllc.com, www.leonardllc.com. Awesome. This has been Seth Green for the Sharkpreneur Financial Services Podcast with Carl Leonard Hicks of leonardllc.com. Carl, thanks so much for joining us.
All right. Thank you. I appreciate being here. You have a great day. You too, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.